Tanya for the 14th of Kislev, but first it's a story. Reb Shalom Dovebeh of Lubavitch, the 5th Chabad Rebbe, appointed a chassid one time, one year, to go get a Calabrian esrog, a special Italian esrog, for him, um, for Sukkot. On the day before the the chassid, the person who had been sent by the Rebbe Shab to go get the, the esrog, was to be, to, come, to arrive in Lubavitch, the Rebbe Shab called one of the Bachrim, one of the students from Yeshiva, and he told the student like this, he said, ideally the entire Yeshiva should all be there to honor this person that's bringing back the mitzvah, bringing back the esrog, but because that's going to be impossible to arrange, um, I'll send you to go greet the, the, the messenger who's bringing the esrog, and you'll do it on behalf of everyone else, and the Rebbe Shab finished off, and he said, certainly you're not going to sleep tonight. That was, that was a very gentle way of saying, don't sleep tonight. You're doing a mitzvah, make sure you stay up the whole night alone. So that's exactly what he did. He, he stayed up the whole night, and he was very happy because he, the Rebbe Rashab seemed very anxious, and the Rebbe Rashab was pacing a lot, and he was excited to go bring the esrog and um, bring it to the Rebbe Rashab to, 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 to make the Rebbe Rashab happy and he was, he was excited to be a part of this. So he, he, got, he went to the edge of the village, the edge of the town, and he waited for the shliach to come. Sure enough, the shliach came. And as soon as the messenger came with the esrog, the, the bacher, the young boy, put out his hand to take the esrog, and the man told him, I want to give it to the Rebbe Shab myself. The, the bacher was so excited to give it himself, and now the, the, whole, the whole thing's torpedo because the messenger wants to do it. And so they started getting into a bit of a, a discussion. Um... And for quite a while, they were arguing back and forth who's supposed to bring it. And he insisted the Rebbe Shab sent him. And the other person said, listen, uh, this is a job. I went all the way there and now I want to bring it to the Rebbe Shab. So the compromise was they'll both give it together to the Rebbe Shab. So they both made their way to the, to the Rebbe Shab. And they, they, brought, they went to the Rebbe Shab's house. And when they came to the study, the Rebbe Shab's um, door burst, burst open. And he motioned them to both come in to put the esrog on the table. They both put it on the table, and the Rebbe Shab was in an incredible state of joy. The Rebbe Shab started dancing around the table. He made seven, seven um, um, dances around the table, similar to like the Hakafas of Simchas And when they saw how much joy that the Rebbe Shab was in, they realized that maybe they should they should leave the room. They both they both left the room, but they they saw the Rebbe Shab in an incredible state, sense of joy from receiving the esrog for Sukkot. The Tanya right now is letter number six or um, essay six from the final book of the Tanya or right before the end of the Tanya. And for a little bit of uh, historical context, one of the biggest moments of David HaMalach, King David's um, kingship, was preparing the Beis HaMikdash building. The actual building itself he wasn't allowed to be a part of, but everything that he was allowed to be a part of he was a part of. So, for example, building the foundations, which wasn't the actual building of the base of Mikdash itself, he did it. Conquering the city, he did it. Bringing the Ark to Yerushalayim, he also did it. And on the way to bringing the Ark to Yerushalayim, David HaMelech made a massive, um, a massive um, event out of it. And then, once the, once the, once the, the Ark was on its way, David himself personally danced in front of the Ark as it came in. The Ark was placed on wagons, 
And along the way, the Ark looked like it was going to fall, and a very righteous man by the name of Uzzah rushed forward to hold the Ark from falling down, and he touched the Ark, and he dropped dead. And the event was essentially ruined. There was an incredibly righteous man, and of course, the, the rabbis point out that the Ark shouldn't have been carried on the wagon, it should be carried on the shoulder. And the question is, why did David Amalek deserve such a, such a forgetful moment, something that even a school child knows that the, that the Ark is carried on the shoulders and not carried on a wagon? How did David Amalek forget this? And the explanation the rabbis give is, in Tehillim he calls Torah a song. Now Hashem said, you're going to call the Torah a song? As a response to that, you'll forget a basic law in Torah. The question that we're going to discuss today is, how is Torah connected to a song? Okay, David, David, you're calling my Torah a song? Now, to understand what it means that a Torah has any relation to a song, what does this mean? The Torah says, We say the praise of Torah and its song. So the question is, what praise is there to Hashem when something's forbidden or permissible? Something's permissible, fantastic, that's the way it is. Something's forbidden, okay, that's what, why is there some form of praise and song to Hashem that something's forbidden? What connection does Torah have to a song? In order to understand this, is a verse that says like this, How great is your work, Hashem? How your thoughts are very deep. What does this mean? Talking about the greatness of Hashem. All the worlds, the higher worlds, the lower worlds, everything in between is all dependent, it's all in order for the performance of a mitzvah. It's all dependent on on a mitzvah. Derech Marshal, ima carbon kasha, nasig yichod elgin, va'oilin kolo, lamas a kava chalisum shifam. When a person brings a carbon, he sacrifices an animal, puts it on top of the altar, the elevation and the unification that's created in the higher worlds is tremendous. And it's all coming to receive that energy. It's, it's a tremendous burst of energy that happens when a person brings a carbon. But from the flip side, the imshina, on the flip side, if someone changes the tiniest detail in the mitzvah, none of that effect happens. Let's say, for example, he receives the blood in his left hand. He slaughters the animal, and you have to receive the blood directly from the animal. What you're supposed to do is collect the blood in the right hand. But let's say, for example, he collects it in the left hand. All that energy that would have come, that tremendous burst of energy from the higher worlds, and it, it's such an incredible flow of energy because a person is doing a mitzvah, nothing happens. He didn't. You say, well, you know, he did it pretty much all of it, right? Just one detail's wrong, okay? It still should be, you know, 98% of the energy should, should occur. 0% happens. If he doesn't do it in the right vessel, he does it in his left hand, he has a separation, he has, like, for example, a bandage over his hand when he's holding the, 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 the vessel of blood. All of these things say, big deal, it's, just, it's barely anything. The answer is, it's a massive deal, nothing happened. All that energy wasn't, didn't ascend and didn't, didn't go to the higher worlds. The Chayv Tfilin Kishayz, another example, says, what about a Tfilin? If a 
If a person puts tefillin on correctly, what's happening is they're revealing zer anpin, um, za and malchus. So the 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 the, the tapping into when a person puts on tefillin, the tapping into chesek of the parents, nesachon yisoid and malchus of the world of atzilus. It's so powerful and so unbelievable, and that's the source of all the energy in this world. And when a person puts on tefillin correctly, they're tapping into that energy. And if there's a mistake in the tefillin, or they didn't put the tefillin on correctly, none of that occurs. All that energy that they use, that that person will tap in with tefillin, none of it all occurs. You start to see a pattern here. V'hilkach, ha'mizboinen ma'godlum ma'isa Hashem shabruim ha'olam z'chotz ha'am, ve'kulam b'telam m'sias ha'gabi dikr echa m'diktu k'etayra, so when a person thinks about how great the worlds are, how great the higher worlds and the lower worlds and all the worlds are, and it's all dependent, getting its energy is all dependent on the tiniest detail of a mitzvah in this world, whether it's filling a black or orange, suddenly makes the most massive difference in the energy that's, that's brought up. In one case it happens, in one case it doesn't. Or in the case of a, of, of, a, of a sacrifice, you do the sacrifice correctly, one detail's changed and now the sacrifice is invalidated and none of that energy, which is literally the life force of the world, none of it is drawn upwards or drawn downwards. And you start to realize how powerful every detail in Torah is. And from this, a person could think about the Hashem's thought, which is absolutely unlimited, and its, and its value is far beyond that of the of everything in this world. That all the power of the world comes from the tiniest detail of Hashem's thought. So a person has to realize that the that the energy that's drawn from Hashem's thoughts powers up this world and the details that depend on the mitzvahs in this world. Like for example, a hair coming from a person's brain. This is exactly what David Amalek thought about. When he went into Hillam and said that um, that Torah is like a song, he said, just like the details in the song and the 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 cumulative effect of the of what a song is able to accomplish and all the details coming together to create create an incredible symphony, that's why I understand it. David Hamalak marveled at the Torah, which every single detail matters, and how the tiniest detail makes the, all the difference when it comes down to drawing down the, the, the energy and the, the Hashem's thought in comparison to the Torah and what we're able to draw down. All of this, it, it was so marvelous, David Amalek. David Amalek couldn't believe at the, the detail, Manusha, let's call it, of, of Torah. And therefore he said, well, Torah is like a symphony, it's like a song. Now, of course, tomorrow we're going to discuss, well, this actually sounds quite reasonable. It sounds like David Amalek is praising Hashem and praising the Torah. So why did David Amalek get punished in such a dramatic way that, you know, he made a mistake in Torah and, some, and a really righteous man died at a, at a big event in David Amalek's life? It sounds quite logical and quite fair to say that Torah is a song. So what was wrong? 
Thank you so much for joining Natanya. Tanya 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 Shashana Bayev Hanabi Shalom and Salaf and Zachar Tashatun Nichmu Daniel Kamanyo and Fushan Rabban Habish Mustia Stabat Raman Shamas Rakel Bahamish Brahat Vaila with Vilva, Elizabeth Layan Lebalat, Shim Elka Rahabas, Elizabeth Alka Goda, Mushman Sarp, Husband Hyde Vaila, Mushman Esther, and also Lil Nishmas. Shimona Bas Parrots, Roddy Saltman, Simchas, Simchas, Violet, and also for the success of all the Jews around the world, especially as in Israel, especially the soldiers who defend the Jewish people. Have a wonderful and very successful day, and thank you so much for joining.